Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives. This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes. With your host, Ryan Sanford. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Journey to the Energy C-Suite. I'm your host, Ryan Sanford. Thank you for pressing play again. Before we get to our incredible guest today, who I think you'll all be very excited excited to hear from, uh, I want to first thank our sponsor, the Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma Executive MBA Program in Energy. If you would like to learn more about uh, Price College and the, all of their programs, please check out the show notes. There will be a link in the show notes so you can learn a lot more about the programs they have to offer, including their executive MBA in energy. Now, I'm really excited for today's guest, uh, Mr. Richard Zahn. Richard has a fascinating career, uh, beginning as uh, an officer in the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Naval Supply Corps. Um, He also earned his undergrad from Yale University, graduating Phi Beta Kappa with a BS in administrative science. He then earned uh, an MBA from Stanford University with concentrations in finance and accounting. He's led businesses in the banking and financial industry, as well as manufacturing, and has served on corporate boards now for over 40 years. So for the last 20 years or so, he has focused on his own consulting and executive coaching business, RLZ Consulting, where he coaches and consults with C-suite leaders in energy, manufacturing, and many other industries. He also currently serves on the board of Airborne Inc. and Ordermatic Corporation as an executive and as an executive coach for LHH. Richard Zahn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to, to participate. We are two for two now with Oklahomans as our first two guests. Richard resides in Oklahoma City. We've got a lot to get to today with you, but I, I can't help but, but first of all, thank you for your service. Um, uh, I always really get excited when I get to talk to a leader who has that military background because I can't believe that that didn't inform uh, your your leadership point of view, um, your style over the years. And I wonder if you can think back to your time serving as, as an officer in the U.S. Navy and talk a little bit about the lessons you learned and some of the ways that that experience really shaped you. Well, I, I really appreciate that question, Ryan. And it's one I haven't thought about a lot until you pose that. Um, and I, there's one overriding thing and then a couple of other things that I think learned. But the, the most significant thing that came out of my experience in the Navy and I think has has carried forward with me throughout all that I've done in my career is the enormous pride that comes from being part of a successful team. Uh, most people who serve in the military will identify whatever unit, or in my case, in the Navy, I was Supply Corps officer on USS San Jose, AF-7, FS-7, and and have a lot of pride in what we were able to do. Uh, we're a bunch of young people <laughs> uh, at the time. Uh, I was right out of college. And, and to be able to, to come together, our job, we were a floating Walmart, was to replenish the fleet uh, and to be able to get all the parts uh, of that organization 
to work effectively and safely to get supplies from from our cargo hold onto destroyers and onto aircraft carriers. Uh, and, and just the experiences we had, particularly when we were deployed uh, in, uh, in the Philippines and Vietnam era, uh, just huge pride. And I think anybody's been part of a successful team or been through a, a challenging experience and come through it on the other side, you carry that forward with you. And you always look for ways to, to relive that. I think there were two kind of leadership lessons that 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 have stuck with me. Uh, the first was uh, again I'm I'm right out of college. I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I didn't know a lot about sailing ships, and uh, and in particular, I I wound up being the uh, chief uh, data processing officer on the San Jose. And we operated the first shipboard uh, supply system, computerized supply system. And uh, the reason I think I was successful at that was because I had people who really knew what to do. <laughs> and my job was to help them be successful and, and not to get in their way and, and to, to learn to trust them and leverage them because you know, we had programmers who knew how to program. We knew hardware people who knew how to run the hardware. And so just that experience of learning to trust others, uh, because I was a guy who had success and was fairly competent in my own abilities, but learning to trust and rely on others, huge lesson that I, that I probably haven't reflected on as often. The second one is kind of funny. Uh, my boss was really good. And I can still remember sitting across from me. He carried a little steno pad, if you can visualize those in the old days, short and flipped over. And he would he would document everything you committed to in a conversation. And then when you got back together, he'd flip out his steno pad. And he'd start going through what you had said you were going to get done in the last meeting. And he was really good and very effective at at making sure that you got done what you said you were going to do. So that learning to be accountable, uh, to, to, to not just make idle commitments, to make commitments that, that, that you follow through on. Uh, I, I would get cold sweat sometimes when I go in there because I knew I hadn't done what I was supposed to do. But uh, I think those are the things. But I think, again, overridingly is the, the importance and, and just the great satisfaction that comes from what, being part of a team and happen to be in some leadership role on the team. Yeah, and th- those aspects that you just mentioned, I imagine, are still pretty relevant for most leadership roles even today. I would think so, absolutely. Yeah, now I, I want to fast forward a little bit because you've spent um, a lot of your time over the last uh, 20, 20 to 30 years consulting with organizations and also coaching uh, executives uh, as an executive coach. And uh, I'd love to get your thoughts just on how the whole discipline of executive coaching has 
evolved and developed over the last several decades to where it is now. I know, uh, you know, there have been times in the past where some companies have used coaching as simply a perk that comes with being a senior executive, similar to a gym membership or something like that. Uh, there have been other times where uh, executive coaching has been used almost in more of a punitive <laughs> fashion where it's only for people who are struggling in their roles. We need to, we need to help them right the ship, so to speak. But uh, I think over the last several years, more and more organizations are starting to see that executive coaching can be a really effective tool, a proactive tool in in helping develop their high potential leaders and and also help their current leaders, even at the C-suite, become more effective at their roles. I wonder what your perspective is on how executive coaching as a discipline has has developed. Well, I think you're absolutely right. When I first became aware of the, quote, concept of coaching, uh, or, or even in some of the early coaching engagements that I had, they probably were around people who were ha- had half a foot out the door, and this was the last-ditch effort to see if you could save them. And, and that was kind of the reputation in many organizations. If you got a coach, there must be something wrong with uh, you know, I'm pleased to say that, you know, I won't say there aren't any cases that I am involved in coaching like that now, but they are very few and far between. I think, you know, I think organizations have have come to appreciate that we need to invest time in growing our leaders and just throwing them in the deep end of the pond. Uh, and and hoping they swim is 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 not the most effective way. And and it, to your point, I mean it's I mean I've had the good fortune to work with CEOs, with CFOs, CIOs, people at very senior levels who have been very successful. And and I had one of those actually at, at an energy company in Houston when we were talking, kind of debriefing after we'd gone through it, and he made a comment to the effect that you know. The coaching gave him an opportunity to step back and to invest in himself and really to take some time to look at how he came across as a leader and how he interacted with different groups, stakeholder groups, whether it be his direct reports or his peers or his bosses up the chain, and to see how he could be more effective in that. And and he really appreciated the discipline of having those meetings on his calendar because it forced him to stop and think and forced him to, to grow. And he was a very, this individual particularly I have in mind was a, a high performer, young guy had been given huge responsibility, probably will wind up at the top of this organization someday, but he had just been running hard for years and had been good at it. But he think, but he got better when he took time to stop and think. And you know, there are organizations uh, that I've seen that have made huge commitments uh, to to leadership at all levels. And uh, and you know, it, one not in the energy, but I can think, and I can think of several in the energy. But there's a major airline that their chairman and CEOs started the program and the first eight people in it were the top eight people in the company because he felt they all could learn, gain something from it. So I think it has evolved. Uh, 
and I think there is a there is no longer the stigma of hey, if you got a coach and who did you make mad or what did you do wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So put yourself in the shoes maybe of a, of a mid-career uh, manager or leader and they, they discover that maybe their company does offer an executive coaching option or they find themselves being tapped as a high potential leader in the company and there's an opportunity for them to uh, work with an executive coach. How should they be thinking about making the most of that coaching opportunity as a participant in that? What can they do to make sure that they get the most value? I think it starts with uh, a commitment that there's value to be gained from the process. And so this is not just something that I that somebody's imposed on me, but to, to enter into it with the view to, uh, I really, I, I want to strive to get better. And here's an opportunity uh, to get some insight and to get some support in, in growing as a leader. I think it's, you know, and so then it becomes is making it a priority on your calendar because I, I run across very few middle or senior level executives who have a lot of idle time. So it, it goes back to that commitment and making time on your calendar to do it and, and being open to feedback, whether it be from the coach or you know many many coaching engagements involve some maybe some sort of 360 assessment or some sort of personality assessment or some feedback from what we call stakeholder interviews where it gives the opportunity for someone to to get some insight into not just how do I perceive myself as a leader but how do these various stakeholders perceive me as a leader that's the real insight and 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 being open to that, uh, and then and then taking that, and uh, and finding ways to grow from that. I think another thing is, and it sort of relates to that, is is being willing to engage others, not just your coach. I, I have found that one of the really keys to a successful coaching engagement is the commitment and involvement of the boss. Uh, I worked with an energy company, and and we got through the end of the project, and the boss had had, had chosen not to be engaged. <laughs> and when we got to the end of the project, and we thought we had made great headway, uh, the boss told us in his eyes we had made no headway. <laughs> but he had chosen not to be involved, mm. and so I, 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 you know, I've I've become a little more aggressive in making sure that. We understand that perspective. There are other perspectives that are important. So uh, I'm kind of rambling, but I think it is. It goes back to being open, being committed, and 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 just enjoying the opportunity to step back. Uh, we don't get many chances to do that because of the demands of the day. Yeah. So we, we all experienced such an unusual and crazy year in 2020 <laughs> and uh, the impact, not just on leaders, but really on everyone, but looking at it through the lens of leaders uh, and in the coaching work that you've been doing, uh, albeit all virtual over the last year, I, I would imagine, um, are there some trends or hot topics that you've noticed uh, are, are, are really um, prevalent? with the coaching work you've done over the last year that are um, kind of um, a product of 
everything that's been going on uh, with the pandemic, but also within the energy industry as well with, you know, the OPEC price war and all the implications from that? Yeah, I think uh, I'd point to three kind of themes maybe that that I'm seeing. One one is broader, but it's certainly relevant to the energy sector. Uh, because of commodity prices, because of of right-sizing organizations uh, over the last several years, that that people are just struggling with too much to do and not enough resources to get it done. Uh, and, and 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 that's that's you know there's a little bit of. COVID, but that's really more the, the energy, you know, the impact of the energy. And you can walk through halls of large energy companies and you see a lot of empty spaces, uh, but the work hasn't changed. And so how do we get it done? How do I manage the frustration of not being able to get to all things? How do I prioritize what really needs to be done? I think is, 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 is really big. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think you, you lay a little bit of COVID on there and and, and you have kind of a burnout from what I just said. Um, but I think you also have uh, Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I mean, people have found that you can now have 14 meetings in a day because you just click off one and on to the next. You don't have time to walk across the building or walk across the campus in between things. So I think, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, those are things that I think everybody's dealing with. And I, yeah. I've kind of transitioned from not just the energy, but the COVID. Uh, but I think, I think the biggest challenge is, uh, it is, I guess, twofold. One, how do I get everything done with fewer people and be effective about it? How do I keep people from getting burned out mm-hmm. as a result of that? And how do I find time for myself? Uh, there's no time in my day for me to do, quote, my job or to just yeah. sit and think. And it seems that COVID has really changed the expectations of leaders um, in the eyes of employees, in the eyes of their shareholders, in the eyes of the public, um, that there, there are new expectations that leaders are, they're not just being held accountable for business results. They're, they're being asked to create uh, an inclusive and safe environment for their employees, uh, a diverse workforce, all these new expectations of showing empathy, being an empathetic leader uh, and creating an organizational culture that is empathetic to people. Um, how, how have you seen those sorts of new expectations play out with some of your coaching uh, clients? And then what, what can leaders do to, to try to rise up and meet those new expectations? Well, you, you hit on several really critical items, and I, I'm, I'm glad you did, Ryan. I think the, the one that jumps off the page right now that has happened is, is safety. We've all talked about safety, and certainly in the energy industry, we have a long history of, of being concerned about safety. But we've looked at safety in a different way. And how do we keep the employees, not just in the oil field, but the employees that are in the administrative office, 
safe and healthy. So I think that is that is a a, a huge huge issue, and uh, you know I think I think uh, many companies have made decisions uh, to manage through this and to keep employees safe at the risk of financial implications because it costs money mm-hmm. to do many of the things that we've done. So I think. Uh, that's important. I mean, and you mentioned uh, how do we get everybody's voice in, you know, and there, and certainly, you know, there's a huge awareness of, of being not just diverse, but being equitable and being inclusive. And I think we're all learning how to do that. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I'm, I know I'm in, I'm on a board of a company that, uh, you know, we've created task force. We brought in outside resources. Just one to equip us with kind of an understanding of what this whole world means. Two to get some data to help us see how we're really doing. And uh, and then building a plan to how do we close the gap and how do we move forward. Uh, and 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 all that I think falls under the the, the last word you mentioned, Ryan, which is. Uh, being empathetic, showing our people that we really do care. We care about all of mm-hmm. them at all levels and, and, and whatever it is they bring to the table. So uh, I think it's a, it, it's, it is a big challenge. Uh, and I think making it a priority, looking for resources, looking for people uh, who have had some success in these areas, learning from others. That's the other thing that I think has really come out of this the last couple of years is a willingness of people to share lessons learned and not be as quite as protective with, uh, across companies or across industries. Yeah. Well, one of the areas that you really specialize in, I know you, you do a lot of coaching in this space is around this idea of executive presence. And when I hear that term executive presence, uh, I've seen a thousand different definitions and maybe every single person has their own personal definition of executive presence. Maybe they think they know it when they see it. Um, you know, when you think about executive presence and then the coaching work that you do, um, what does that really mean? And is that something that can be developed or is that just something that you kind of have it or you don't? What, what's your perspective on that? Absolutely. I think it's something you can develop. Uh, maybe easier for some than others, some aspects of it. Absolutely, people can develop executive presence, and I don't think you know your your initial point. It, I I could show you. I've got in front of me four or five different definitions of executive presence and what it means. So there's not a clear, but I think it really is about how a leader is perceived by others. And how that leader is able to communicate and influence with others. Um, it, it's it's partly confidence. I mean, that is, you know, I read one today that talked about, I, I like these words, I haven't processed them. It's a combination of poise and authenticity. It's being, being real, being general, but having a level of confidence and composure uh that that comes across in a room and therefore it's really how you show up mm. and do people respond to you when you show up it feels like it's p- partly 
bringing your your own self and staying authentic and how you present yourself but there there are some aspects that you can actually practice and develop to to come across as as more of more of an effective uh leader yeah. and have more leadership presence yeah i, I think there are there there are a number of things and i and i would share a couple that come to mind i don't this is not all inclusive <laughs> and it, but i think it gets to the point if you look at these what are things that, that i can do um one the first one of and this is going to sound maybe a little strange but but i think it is it is absolutely a key to being an effective leader is to build connections build relationships throughout the organization get people get to know people let people know you so when you show up they know who you are and how you come across and, and and an important part of that too, I think, is is the combination, com, the 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 ability to let people know that you're interested in their agenda, not just your agenda. Uh, a big part of it, you know, there. I, I, part of it, you know, we think of appearance, and appearance does have an impact. I once worked with it. A guy who was a, a lawyer by training and 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 recognized in his energy company as the smartest guy in the building. Everybody, he won all the trivia mm-hmm. contests. He knew all the, but he had this quirk that he liked to sh- wear, show up in strange outfits, purple shoes, <laughs> you know, green ties. Just and when you ask anybody, he just did it to offset people and to draw attention to himself. What he didn't realize was that he came across as he lacked executive presence, uh, and 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 that it, it was a distractor, and people didn't hear him. So I, I think that's a, another big part of it is is communication, learning to be an effective communicator. I'm a great storyteller, but I'm not always the greatest communicator. Uh, and, and learning, particularly as you get to higher levels, of being able to make your point succinctly and clearly so that people understand it and get it, and then elaborating if you need to, as opposed to spending five minutes on the elaboration, then making the point people never get it. So there are you know, I uh, and, and I, I don't think I'm talking out of school, but Noble Energy years ago, I did a lot of work there, and they I got to attend a seminar they had by a guy named Alan Weiner who wrote a book, So Smart But, and he has he has a chapter in there, So Smart But lacks executive presence. He had been coaching the chairman of Exxon of Noble prior to being at Noble on how to communicate. And he was still there. And he did a seminar on how to communicate. And it really opened my eyes into learning to do. So when you get back to what it brings executive presence, I think learning to communicate effectively. Uh, you know, be, uh, you know, a couple others that come to mind, Ryan, are, uh, you know, we use the word strategic, being strategic, being a strategic thinker, and that has a lot of, we can spend as much time on that as executive presence. But I do think part of executive presence is is to be able to elevate yourself 
and to see at a higher level or to see how certain activities that you're involved in connect to bigger goals. And so uh, whether that's a vision or a strategy or just being able to see around the corner, I think is part of it. Uh, and, and the other, you know, the other one uh, is, it's part of the communication, a little different slant is learn to ask good questions. Uh, there's a real power in that. As a coach, we talk about ask, don't tell. Uh, but that whole ability to learn to ask good questions uh, is really powerful. Uh, there's a guy who's no longer with us in Oklahoma named Aubrey McClendon, built a company called Chesapeake Energy. And uh, Aubrey had the reputation of being an excellent question asker. People, people close to him referred to him as Pac-Man. Because <laughs> he just asked one question after one bite after another, and I had the opportunity one one evening in a small gathering to watch that, and it was very powerful. Those are things we can learn to do. And I guess my final comment is when you you know that when you get into some of those situations and you feel the stress mounting, stop and breathe. You know the power of just pausing in the moment. Uh, people get flustered. Uh, they try to answer questions they shouldn't try and answer. Uh, if you just pause for a minute, 30 seconds, it's amazing how powerful it is. So I, hopefully I, yeah. I mean, we can spend days on it. But to summarize, I think it is about how you come across with others and how you're able to influence them. And it's absolutely can be developed. And that laundry list of things I went through, some of us do some of those really well. Some of us, you know, we can work on the others, but it yeah, can be learned. Some of what you said kind of bleeds over into another topic that I, that I was thinking about, and that is uh, as leaders kind of climb the ladder of leadership in their company, they get closer to the C-suite. Um, there are more opportunities and responsibilities that, that actually have them interacting with the board of directors. And that, that, is, that is far different. Than uh, than uh, lower lower responsibilities in leadership where you don't have that responsibility and you you also you, so you coach and advise leaders but you also have been a board member and still are a board member so you've had a lot of work as a, as a board member I wonder if you can help our listeners who might be getting close to that point where they're going to be doing more presentations or taking part in uh, in board meetings to advise them on how they can best prepare and develop the acumen they need to effectively deal with those situations with boards? So I would start off by first realize that board members have the same interests that you do um, to grow the company, to be successful. They're not the enemy. <laughs> You're on the same side of the table and they're real people. Uh, so you, yeah, there's some level of intimidation. I understand. I've experienced it. Now I dole it out because I sit on boards, but but I think you gotta you gotta begin with that. And to the extent you have opportunities along the way to interact with board members, I know a lot of boards have functions outside the board meeting where they may have meet with management teams or other teams. Take those opportunities just to begin to get to know people. Uh, I think I think there are two real keys though to the board. 
first is realize that their role and their interest is at a very strategic level. They're not there to run the business. They're not qualified to come in and do your job. Their job is is to set vision, to, to make sure you have the right people, uh, to manage risk. And so you need you need to understand that's what they're interested in. Uh, as interested as you may be in some details of a project or a plan, that's not their interest, which bleeds over then to communication. Go back to learning to to make that point uh, and make it clearly. I, I I was I was given the chance to work. He had been the controller, his promoter, the CFO with an offshore drilling company, and he had to make a board presentation. So he invited me to go through it with him before the presentation. He started off with 24 slides. We got it down to six, and we had 18 slides in the back that if somebody asked a question, he knew where to go to give mm-hmm. them the detail. Uh, so I think that's that's a mistake that a lot of people make, I think, going in. Uh, but but again, boards boards are there to help you be successful, and and so uh, approach it with with the understanding that they're on your team. Yeah, uh, Richard, this has been a fascinating talk. I really really enjoyed just hearing your perspective on all of these different aspects of leadership and your own personal story. I wonder one last question for you, um, given your, your incredible background uh, as a leader and then also coaching and advising leaders, how do you keep your own sword sharp? How do you, how do you continue to develop yourself? Probably don't do it as well as I could, maybe. Uh, I think there, there are a couple of things that, uh, that I have been intentional about, and maybe that's the key word. Uh, being purposeful and intentional about taking care of yourself, sharpening the saw. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a fitness side of it. Won't go down that road, but I, but I do. And, and, and I find when I get in stress situations, I tend to drop that part of it, but I, I got to keep that up. Um, but you know, setting aside time, I talked before setting aside time for me, uh, to, to, to focus on things that are important to me, to learn, to grow, to read. I, I do read a lot. I don't read a lot of books, but I, I subscribe to a lot of book summaries and I get, you know, with, you know, in the media, social media age, I mean, you can learn things very quickly and pick up things very quickly. I, you know, something I did for many years that I found very helpful is, is attending conferences. Uh, whether those be industry conferences or I, I was a, I was a Stephen Covey groupie for a number of years and they used to have a marvelous conference, two or three day conference every year, covered all kinds of topics. So I, I think that's been important to me to be able to get away and to invest some time and listen to perspectives outside of my own, uh, of people who you know, have, have been there, done that, and learned things along the way. But I think it comes down to understanding that, uh, you know, particularly leadership and careers, it's a, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you better be intentional about 
taking care of yourself along the way. And, uh, and, and if so, you, you can enjoy the journey a whole lot more. Yeah. Well, Richard, it has been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on all these important issues for our guests. Uh, our pleasure having you on. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it very much. You bet. Well, that's all for our show today. Remember, check the show notes if uh, you would like to learn more about Richard or uh, his company. Uh, there'll be a link to his business uh, website there. There'll also be a link to our show sponsor, the Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma Executive MBA Program in Energy. Please check them out if you want to learn more about their programs. Also, if I could ask, if you like this podcast so far, please leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else that you're accessing uh, the show. We would we would love to hear your feedback and it also helps make our show more findable. And if you really like it, tell a friend. Until next time, everybody have a great day. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20 YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th, so make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.